brings understanding to the simple. Father, as we go into your word, let your word bring life to us. Let it bring understanding. Let it open our hearts. Let it bring deliverance because your word says you sent your word and you heal them and deliver them from destruction. Let your word heal us. Let your word deliver us where we need deliverance from. In Jesus' name. Uh, we'll be reading a lot of Bible texts today. Um, but the title of the message is Beware, Beware, Beware. Our main text is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 10 to 15. And I'll try to be fast because of time. Deuteronomy chapter 6, from verse 10 to 15. It says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. It says, Houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewed out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and have full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. It says, You shall fear the Lord your God and serve him, and shall take oaths in his name. It says, You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and what destroy you from the face of the earth. Amen. The Bible says, God says, Beware. It says, Beware. Because he's taking you to the promised land. That very thing that he has said he will do, he's about to do it. That's why he's bringing this word to us. That once he does it, that we ourselves, we should be what? Beware. You're here to, for those who are studying, you're here to study. You're here to gain certain experience. It says beware. Because that degree you're doing, that when you finish it, where I'm taking you through, to, through that, it says beware because by the time you get to that destination, it's easy to forget the God that has done it for you. Amen. It is very easy to forget the God that has what done it for you. Just like um, sometimes people ask God for, for certain blessings. Amen. And God does it. For example, if, uh, you know, I was, in a, I was in a service of song yesterday night in Trali. Yesterday evening. And the gentleman was talking about his mother who died at the age of 90. But I, I, I lost her husband over 39, about 39 years ago. So she, the husband may have died around when she was 50 or 51. And she had six children. And not one day did she give excuses. Even though things were tough as a single woman. She didn't, she, she didn't remarry. Amen. She did all manner of things. She didn't compromise her faith in God. Amen. She didn't give excuses. She did everything she had to do. She had to still go to the market. She has, you know, even, I was so impressed that, you know, at the age of 10, when her children, whenever the children clocks, anyone that turns 10 years old, she takes them to the church to fast. You know, you know, in a remote village, it was, wherever the church is, it wasn't in the city. So that way the child will not eat, take the child to the sanctuary and she stays there from morning till 3 p.m. for the child. So there was no excuses. 
And somebody was saying that when they meet other parents, you know, single mother, and they can complain how things are tough, uh, you know. But God doesn't make mistakes. And by the grace of God, she brought the children up, all of them in the faith. Amen. One is deceased. And all of them serving God. Amen. Passionately. Are we following? But as a woman that didn't forget who has done it, even though things were tough. Amen. Because life sometimes is tough. That's the truth. And God doesn't want us to give excuses because at the end of the day, if you look at the like of Saul, God raised Saul, King Saul up. By the time Saul was messing up, he was blaming the people. That is the people that have caused him not to do the things that he was supposed to do. So what is this saying? Is it not saying that the blessings of God has become a curse to him? Are we following what I'm saying? Because God is saying that thing that whatever he has promised you, he is about to do it. I'm believing God. And I strongly believe that as a church, as a people of God, you know, we're about to break into the miraculous. We're about to break into something great beyond our wildest imagination in the name of Jesus. You know, when we look at the like of Solomon, I won't read. I wanted to read this in because of time. In 1 Kings chapter 11, from verse 1 to 11, you know, uh, before I read that, but one thing with Solomon, when God gave, when Solomon became the king, he wasn't the first child, neither the second, neither the third, neither the fourth. But God lifted him up. Amen. And when he sought the Lord's face, all he asked God was for wisdom, that he understood that he didn't have the capacity, the wisdom, to govern the people of God. And God was so honored and so blessed that he decided to give him the, the wisdom beyond, uh, uh, I mean, wisdom that no man has ever attained since the time of Solomon. Amen. And God now told him in First Kings chapter 11, from verse 1 to 11, he even told him what to do. Told him not to marry other wives from different, um, uh, different uh, countries and all that. But yet, Solomon, being the wisest man, thought he knew more than God. Amen. When he, when he had received the wisdom that God had given him. At that time, people were coming, so those who also read the Bible, from different parts of the nations to come and listen to the wisdom. You know the, the way you call you know the way you call a, a special teacher to come or you know how uh, you to come and make a lecture and you pay them so much money, you know? Uh, you know, those, amen. You can pay them just to come and talk, like call President Obama now uh, and come and give a speech. I'm pretty sure you're going to pay nothing less than maybe 300, 500,000. Those 800. 800,000, right? So you can just, or, or at least, eh? 800,000 dollars for Obama to come and speak for half an hour. Then you can imagine what they were giving Solomon those days. That the queen of Sheba, she came. They said she brought so much spices like they've never done that again since that time. People brought gold just to come and sit down. She just listened to Solomon, the wisdom of Solomon. So you can imagine how God blessed him. And yet God said, don't do this thing. But he was so comfortable. And, it, and, and at, this, at this time, there was peace. You know, they said, he drank with gold. He said, silver in those days was nothing. It was not considered an important jewelry. It was either it was gold or it's not gold. 
But he became so comfortable. Peace all around. And he said to, he had so much time. No, no need to fight war. So he had time to marry as many concubines as he wanted to, as many wives. So God is telling us that we should beware. That where he's taking us to. Because where he's taking us to is a place of joy. It's a place of relaxation. It's a place of peace. So that we don't forget where we are coming from. So he's saying beware. Because Solomon did. And when he did, obviously, because of what he did, the Lord took away ten tribes of Israel out of his hands. From his, not from him, but from his child. You know, and left him with two. If you read another account, like in First Kings chapter 12, and I'll quickly read this one from verse 25 to 31, because God is saying, beware. First Kings 12, 25 to 31 says, Jeroboam then built up the city of Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and it became its capital. Later, he says, he went and built up the tower of Peniel. Jeroboam taught to himself, unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to what? The dynasty of, God, of David. And I'll stop there. You know, Jeroboam was a gentleman, when King Solomon died, Rehoboam became the king of the entire land. But obviously, God decided to give Jeroboam ten tribes of Israel to Jeroboam, someone that was not a king. But this king, after God had given him ten tribes, just imagine someone, the, the moral of the story, if you read the account very well, a prophet came, you know, and broke an oil, told him that you're going to be the king. I mean, I mean, got the long story. That was a different story. But the prophet came, declared him. God spoke that he was going to be a king. And he became the king. Cut a long story short. After becoming the king, rather than do the things that God would ask him to do, he was concerned about him. Because people used to sacrifice in Israel, I mean, in, in uh, Judah at that time. So his own concern was that, well... The, the sanctuary is in Judah, and yet the kingdom, which is of Rehoboam at that time, Judah was there, Jerusalem is there, therefore everybody wants to make the sacrifice, and they have to do the sacrifice in one place. So just imagine now, God is saying the main sacrifice that God takes is in Dublin. Amen. And God decides to, imagine, imagine Dublin being the capital of Europe. Just imagine that. And Dublin is the capital, and this is where God takes the sanctuary. And God decides to take, give you Ireland and give somebody else the entire Europe. Amen. Are we following? And the person that has received Europe said, well, everybody has to still come to Dublin to make that sacrifice. Why don't we build another altar somewhere in Europe so that people don't have to travel all the way to Dublin? An altar that God did not ask him to build. All he was concerned is that one day, these people may return back to who? To Jerusalem. That is our own concern. And that is where we, that's how we think. Because sometimes it's natural for God to lift up a man out of nothing. Or take you out of the dungeon and put you among princes. And usually what you do naturally is, human beings, human mind, human resources, human beings are so fickle. What you now think is, you want to sustain that then what you now start to do naturally is to do it in your own power. That now I have this and I don't want to lose it. So you begin to scheme. You begin to put things in place to ensure that your dynasty will continue after yourself. And that is what human beings do. How many of you see? I mean, this thing, we read it in the Bible. It happens today. How many times does a person become a president of a nation? You know, a part of, in, in Africa and some different parts of the world. For nobody. 
and they don't want to leave that throne. They think they own it, and they want to pass it on to their children, forgetting that it was God that has put them in that place. And as much as we can point fingers, the honest truth is that we are no different. That's the honest truth. And God is telling us what? To beware. Because where he's taking us to. But one thing that God says is that in, the, in Psalm 75, verse 6 to 7, 75, 6 to 7 says, Exaltation comes neither from the east, nor from the west, nor south, but God is the judge. He puts down one and what exalts another. So God is the one that lifts you up. God is the one that puts you in that position and he's the one that will sustain you as long as your trust remains in him. Amen. He puts you there. As long as you keep doing what he asks you to do, he will what? Sustain you. He will see you through it. So God is saying, beware. And when I look, when I say beware, when I look at King Saul, amen, the Bible says, you know, we talk so much about David, true or false? You know, David lived, how, many, how long did David stay on the throne? 40 years. Does anybody know how long King Saul stayed on the throne? I guess. Hmm? Shorter. No, actually longer. 42 years. Saul stayed on the throne 42 years. And Saul became king when he was just like David at age 30. So, but, you know, when I came across that, you can find that account in, in um, wrote it down. You can find that account in 1 Samuel chapter 13. If you read 1 Samuel chapter 13. But one thing that I discovered was that Saul was on the throne longer than David. However, we talk so much about David. Why? When I look at Saul, it took Saul, what? Because David was anointed king at a younger age, in, a t- in his teens. And David waited about 15 years before he actually became the king um, over, the, over um, what was it called? King, because it was two parts. Seven years in, seven years in um, Jerusalem and 37, and 37 years in the, in, the, in the other part of Israel. Amen. But one thing, when I look at the account, when I look at the account, it was as if King Saul followed Jesus, followed God's ways for 27 years. Saul did what God. It was after 27 years of Saul reigning on the throne that he began to mess up. Because he became very comfortable. Amen. You know, he, he, he grew into that. And he just felt he was now in charge. So it took him 27 years. To mess up. That's when God decided to anoint David as a youth. A man after his own heart to be the king. So you can imagine if you're taking Saul 27 years. So, do you understand what I'm coming for? You can imagine yourself. Because it's easy for us to say, yes, I've entered, I remember God, five years, you're doing well, 10 years, you're doing great, 15 years, then 20 years, and soon you just forget. And you start doing things because by then you are so comfortable, it feels as if you've done this thing by your power. And you forget the man that has done it for you. So these guys, it wasn't a short time. It took a while. And that reminds me of when the enemy comes. Like a story, an analogy that I heard once. That if you have a petrol tank, 
He doesn't just come and puncture a big hole in the petrol tank. He does drill a tiny hole. And he does keep dropping. He could be dropping a drop per minute or per hour. And you're going for a long journey. You look at the petrol tank and it looks so full. You don't know you're leaking anointing. You don't know you're falling from the grace. And, you know, and it keeps leaking. Before you realize it, something that's supposed to take you three hours journey. It can only take you just one hour journey. And, you know, but if, he, if, if the enemy punches a big hole, you suddenly, what will you do? You will notice it and immediately you know there's something wrong. So the devil comes and he seeps in quietly. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart. The Bible says, iron sharpen iron. Let's not get carried away. Let, never, let us never think that we know it all. Let's always try to remain humble all the time so that we don't forget who has done it for you and I. Amen. If you look at the, uh, in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 14 to 16, 2 Chronicles 26, 14 to 16 says, this is the story of Uzziah. He says, this is so interesting. He said, then Uzziah prepared for them for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be what on the towers and on the corner to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame, this is Uzziah, spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped what till he became strong. Verse 16 says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of God to burn incense on the altar of what? Incense. What he wasn't supposed to do, the priest's job, because he felt God has helped him. He felt the grace of God. He felt the power of God. You know, his fame went everywhere. So he thought that, well, since God is with me, I can what? Do what I want to do. And he went to what? Offer incense. What he wasn't supposed to do. What he was supposed to be left to the priest. And the next thing was, when they, when they, when they scolded him, you know, rather than repent, you know, he didn't. The Bible says that he left that place with, he left that place leprous. Amen. And his son became the king. So, it's just for us. God is just telling us, let's remain humble because that breakthrough is round the corner. We are closer to it than we, we, don't, than, than, than we, than we don't know. It reminds me of a story of the general overseer of this mission. Um, this mission decided to grow exponentially because of a particular program that they had in Nigeria. They call it um, Lekki, I think it was Lekki 98. I don't know if anybody ever heard it, Lekki 98. You know, that was when, I think from there, that's when the, the name, the Redeemed Christian Church of God, just, just I mean, the church just, multiplica- just grew in multiplication. But one thing that the general overseer said that still stands, stays with me, is that he said as he was walking on the beach, Lekki is the beach, I mean, they, they did the event on the beach, and the beach front. He said after the program, he was taking a prayer walk, and God told him to bow down to duck. He did. Then whilst he was, whilst he ducked, looking on the sand, God told him to draw a stick man. You know no stick man? You know stick man? Yeah, told him to draw it on the sand. And he drew that on the sand, so... And God said he should wipe the stick man with, on the sand with his feet. He 
he was just raised it off with his feet. And he did. So he asked the Lord, what was it? Because he initially thought maybe there was a witch flying by. That's why God told him to duck. <laughs> Molly, mom said a witch, you know, the broom. You know? So, you know, that's what he thought. So, anyway, God now said that because of where I'm taking you to, that then it was a nobody like that, that your name is going to go wide and far. That the day you ever forget who has done this through you, that I will wipe you from the face of the earth. And nobody will ever remember. Just the way you removed it. And that was the one. Because like I'm taking you. And men will begin to look at you as God. And the day you think you are God, it's like, man, they will not even remember your name. Are you following what I'm trying to say? He says, beware. So God is telling us to beware. You know, because this year is a great year. This decade is a great decade for every one of us. I know we've been toiling. I know we've been working hard. I know we've been pressing. I know we've been pushing. I know we're believing God. And that breakthrough will come. And, I'm, I, 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 and, and I feel it and I sense it in my bone that it will happen. But beware. And let's remain humble. So God is telling us, beware. So one thing that we should be, we should be as, as, we, as, as we round up is that one thing that can help us is, you know, we need mentorship as we talked earlier on as well. We should always remember where we are coming from. Write the vision. Sometimes make, you know, write the vision. Do a diary of where you're coming from, where you are, where you're going. Remember, David says, you know, David says, help me to number my days on earth. You know, David said that. There's a song that says, count your blessings, name them one by one, you know. Count them, name them. But one thing we should understand is that it's the scripture that will help us. Joshua 1.8, we heard part of the message. It says, this book shall not depart from us, that we should meditate in it day and night. That way, we will always remember who is in charge. Amen. And one thing as well is that our love for him should never go dry. That's one thing. Because it's something that a man of God once said. He said, one thing that we forget is, when you put your hand in the glove, amen, you put your hand in the glove, you use the glove, right? But if you take your hands out of the glove, what happens to the glove? The glove is what? Useless. It's just there. So once your hand is in the glove, so we are the glove. The hand is God in us. So God is the one using us. But if the gloves forget who is where, who is whose hand is in it, the glove will just be there and carrying us. So let's always remember who has done this for us. So with this, let's all bow our heads and take our step to God and just appreciate God and thank Him for the breakthrough. Thank Him because He has done it. Uh, he has done it. I know He has done it. Uh, you may not sense it. You may not know. Uh, you may have doubt, but it is done. Because it is done, I just want you to just thank him. Uh, Father, I thank you for this breakthrough. I thank you for the next chapter in my life. I thank you uh, for a life of ease. I thank you, Almighty, for a, great, for a greater anointing, a greater work with you. I thank you, Almighty and everlasting God. That as I thank you, Almighty God, for these things that you've done already, you set in motion. Father, help me to always remember you, never to take you for granted. Help me to remain humble. 
help me, Almighty God, never to think that I am in charge, but to always remember that you are the God that is in charge, that I've done it. Father, help me to remain humble. Surround, surround me with people that will help me to remind me as well. Your word says, iron sharpen iron, Almighty God. So a friend sharpen the countenance of one another. Father, surround me with people that, uh, that will, I will always be humble. That I will never be pompous, oh God. That I will always remember you. Because men, we've read, men are forgotten. And we've seen what happened to them. But Father, but we don't want to be that scapegoat. We want to be a good example, an ambassador of you. One in whom, Almighty God, you can truly trust. Father, we just bless and praise your holy name. We give you all the glory, O God. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed.